No, I had been doing the corporate thing for a while. I took a sabbatical to try to figure out what was going to be next for me in my career. And I found the ERG to be just a, a life draft. I just fell in love with that space. You actually have to make the time and make yourself visible. This is a huge opportunity to get access to senior leaders, to get visibility across different functions. And so you, you have to get yourself up out of your day job and make the time, even if it's after work, to participate in the ERG space because you doing your job alone is not gonna get you uh, where you wanna go in your career. That's Simone Morris, CEO of Simone Morris Enterprises, LLC. Simone is talking about the value she personally got out of her involvement with employee resource groups. I invited Simone back to the show this season to share her experiences, fears, tough moments, and what got her through as she took charge of her career by leveraging her experiences at first as an ERG member, then as an ERG committee leader, next as an ERG co-chair, and finally as the group chair. In this special episode, the interview is a bit longer than usual, so we will not have a panel. We will, however, share with you how you can get live training from Simone on how to leverage your participation in your network to take charge of your career at the end of this program. So stay with us. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors. Atrium Health, Fredert Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avenod, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. According to Dennis Adams, co-author of the book Honest, Direct, Respectful, about 80% of the people in any given population group tend to be passive. He goes on to say that the thinking process of people who are passive goes something like this. I don't like conflict. I don't want to rock the boat. I probably won't change someone else's mind anyway, so I'm not going to tell them what I really feel or think but I am going to be very respectful. In the workplace, people who are passive tend to show up as non-confrontational, shy, laid back, reserved with their opinions, and happy to go along with the flow and hoping someone notices their work ethic, loyalty, and intelligence and gives them a break. It's not surprising that in their careers, passive people tend to be passengers and not drivers. Often, they find themselves drowned out and made totally invisible by the louder and more aggressive people around them. So when they hear people like me, who they might perceive as being in the 20% category, talk about leveraging ERGs to take charge of their careers, they might think, yeah, that's great advice for someone like you, but I'm not like you. And that's why I'm 
so happy to have Simone Morris joining me today. Simone is currently the outspoken and outgoing CEO of Simone Morris Enterprises. She's a well-known author and speaker whose main message is that everyone should take charge of their career. Yet Simone admittedly was a passive passenger in her own career for many years before she found her passion and voice in an ERG. So for all of you that see yourself as a member of that 80% that may not naturally see yourselves as aggressive enough to take ownership of your career, I think you're going to find a wonderful and inspiring message in what Simone is about to share. So without further ado, let me welcome Simone to the show. Hi, Simone. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning. So, Simone, the last time you were on the podcast, we talked about leveraging ERGs to become leaders. Today, I want to explore with you the idea of leveraging participation in an ERG as either a chair or a member as a vehicle for taking personal ownership over our careers, which is something I know that you've done personally. So my first question to you is this. I've often heard you say that your goal is to put women in their career's driver's seat. Tell us what you mean by that. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks so much for having me back. What I mean by that is to have the mindset that you own your career. I think it's important to really know that you do. It's not your boss's job, your executive sponsor's job, but you, in fact, own your career. That is my mantra and my message that I want to share with women because I've been there where I have been expecting others to really uh, sort of drive my career for me. I played more of a passenger role. And so when I say driver's seat, it means you get in the driver's seat, you grab the wheel, and you know where you want to take your career, and you find the partnerships and support that you need along the way, but you are essentially in the driver's seat and navigating your career to where you want it to go, where you can be happy and fulfilled with it. That's great. And I definitely know that you've done this in your own life. And it's something that I've done in my life too, which is actually captured in one of your books. And, you know, as I think about this, I'm always amazed, however, that there are many people that don't take ownership of their careers. I've heard from a number of people uh, about the experiences they've had as passive employees. What reason do you find is the reason why some people need to be taught to be responsible for their careers? You know, I could. it could have to do with your cultural upbringing where you were taught to really be that passenger. I know for me, I was taught to have a job and to be grateful for the job, the paycheck, the vacation, et cetera, and do my job, not really challenge the status quo uh, and expect so much more. But as you begin to be exposed to different people in your career, your expectations change. And so you, as a result, have to change as well. So I, I think it's important for people to be taught that and no one is out there saying, I need some help to learn how to be better at building relationships, to be better at charting out the strategy for my career. So there's some self-awareness that's involved in this. But I, I think the ERG space is such a fabulous space for testing things out, learning, building relationships, exposure, and really just uh, 
hanging your hat on that opportunity as a game changer for your career because it really is and it was for me. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about various experiences I've had talking to people. The most recent one was with a gentleman who's retired from his job for a while now and he just didn't like the way things turned out for him in terms of his overall career. And so as we were talking about it, he's telling me, well, you know, they asked me to do this and this is what I did. And then later on, I was hoping to be asked to do this, but nobody ever asked. And I said to him, why didn't you ask them? Why didn't you take the initiative and spell out what you wanted? And he just kind of looked at me as if, you know, as if I had grown a new head on my shoulders. You know? <laughs> I now had two heads. And it was sort of like, because, you know, it's kind of like, that's what most people do. But you're absolutely right that some people clearly, and that's an example of someone who would have benefited from uh, learning uh, some of those techniques and that approach earlier in their career. So tell me, what's one of the practical ways that you advise people to stop being lazy fair in their career approach and to take ownership of their career? Yeah, let's go back to the last question for a moment. There's something else that I thought of, Joe. There's the introvert extrovert thing. So it could be that you prefer to really let somebody else be the driver and you just stay in your lane and that is is what feels good to you. So some of it could tie to that, but I am an introvert by preference, but I know that to be successful, I have to flex my capability or my preference to play in the extroversion space to get ahead in my career. So I just thought of that while you were talking. But to answer your question that you just posed to me, Joe, I would say one of the things that people can do quick and easy is, is to just check themselves and to really just stop showing up and being a wallflower at ERG events. You know, don't just hide in the background and whether it's you're saying things like, I just don't have time to get more involved in the ERG. I have so much work to do in my day job. You actually have to make the time and make yourself visible. This is a huge opportunity to get access to senior leaders, to get visibility across different functions. And so you, you have to get yourself up out of your day job and make the time, even if it's after work, to participate in the ERG space because you doing your job alone is not going to get you uh, where you want to go in your career. I mean, it may keep your job for a while, but if you want to be one of those game changers, one of those seen as a leader and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you have to come out of your day job and make time to show up. And I, I want to advise your listeners to take on a leadership role. I mean, I started out as a member, then as a, a committee lead then as a co-chair, then as the chair. And I just gradually took on more and more because I became so passionate about cultural competency and, and having conversations, having a seat at the table that I, I, I started embracing that more. So stop showing up and just hiding behind the scenes. Make yourself visible come out of your comfort zone and talk to senior leaders and share your opinion. Show that you are a leader. Great point. I've also heard you talk about how these members or committee group leaders or even chairs should really 
talk to leaders about what they're doing to drive that agenda. That's a way of sort of demonstrating I'm doing more for this company above and beyond just my regular job. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think to myself, if you don't know what to say, script it on an index card. Tomorrow is <laughs> an ERG meeting and say to yourself, I want to meet the CEO, the commercial officer, the director, whoever it is you want to meet and just, uh, you know, go up to them to introduce yourself. You don't have to go up and lay out the entire uh, cultural challenge at the organization and what the organization should do about it, but have a script. So I'm going to go up and I'm going to say, my name is, I'm in this function and I, a, a quick synopsis of what you do. And, and I've been in the ERG for about a year. I'm very excited to work with senior leaders to drive change in the organization. Stop, period, stop. That's it. Do that about three times as you, you circle the room. So be a bit more strategic about the opportunities that are presented to you. And then the next time around, they're like, hi, hi, yes, we met the last time. You don't have to say who you are and all that stuff again, but it, you start to uh, expand the conversation each time, connect on something that they said to build the relationship and do it again the third time so people start to get to know who you are. That's excellent. And you know what? As you are doing that, you're getting better known by the other person or by these leaders. You're moving the ERG agenda forward. You're also branding yourself, right? You're also creating sort of a, what your brand is, who you are in this organization. How do you think that the work you did with ERGs as you were developing within your ERG, doing some of the things that you're talking about, how do you think that developed your brand as Simone Morris? If you work in corporate for a number of years, you sort of take on the company brand. And I think I took on the company brand where I was so driven and passionate about what the company was trying to do that I sort of lived and breathed the company and I, I forgot myself. So in the ERG space, I started to showcase my leadership capabilities inside the organization and outside the organization. And I think you and I met, Joe, at um, the NOW Conference, Network Affinity Leadership Congress, because I then got the opportunity to go outside the organization and showcase the Simone Morris brand. It was attached to the company, but people started to know who I was externally in the DNI space and then I took that that communication and brought it back inside to share what I was doing so it was starting to build my brand as a leader so I was willing to invest time outside of the organization to build capabilities as well as inside you know as I'm listening to you I'm thinking that's such a win-win right because you're building your brand which is a good thing and as you build your brand, your brand is helping to enhance the company's brand. So it really is a win-win for the organization as well as for you uh, as you're doing all this. So we started talking about how you do this, especially with, uh, with women in the organization. But I'm sure you agree that all of these ideas that can put a woman in the driver's seat and build their brands the same as you built your brand can apply to anyone, correct? Absolutely. And, and, and for a while, I wasn't saying that women were my tribe. I was afraid to say it because I play in the diversity and inclusion space, and I felt like um, I don't want to be uh, letting people feel excluded. That's not what I'm trying to do. 
However, every time I was delivering my message, 90% of the audience was women. And they were lifting me up in a way that said, you need to claim us. So I then decided, you know what? Just because I say it doesn't mean that a man, LGBT, etc., cannot be a part of it. It's just that my focus resonates a lot with women. But it would be, Joe, like saying, uh, you know, Black History Month is just for Black people. That's just not true. Or Pride Month is for Pride, just for people who are LGBTIQ, you know, et cetera. That's not true. There are allies and opportunities to learn from each of these different ERGs. And the same thing, when I do my work, I have men show up and, and you know, I had a conversation with a colleague who is LGBT and uh, he said, to, he started using the driver's seat language and I said to him, you make me so proud. So, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So, let's focus in on people who are participating as a chair or a member of any employee resource group. Where are some more practical things that they can do to put themselves in their career's driver's seat? Well, I think as the chair, you're elevated in terms of leadership responsibility. So it's a huge opportunity for you to up your capabilities as a strategic thinker. And one example of this is to think about ways to cross-collaborate across ERGs. So it's not just about your ERG agenda, but how can you partner with another ERG or several ERGs to move um move the diversity and inclusion agenda forward. So that is demonstrating your uh, capabilities as a leader. The other thing I would say is don't get so short-sighted on budget. I don't know how many people tell me, whether it's at a conference or in a consultation, etc., our budget is only $1,000 or our budget is only $1,500. It's like, don't get bogged down by that number that they gave you. Think about the possibilities and think about solutions in terms of how to get wins, even with that small budget. You can make magic happen. I tell people all the time, I remember getting $80,000 when the budget that I was given was 5000 And I was like, I want to do so much more. So don't let that budget or the restrictions, the what you don't have hold you back from shining in the ERG space. And I think these are things that the chair or uh, the, pe the leadership team have to be thinking about what do we want for our membership community? And then you can figure out the budget logistical things afterwards, but don't restrict yourself in terms of dreaming big and getting access to different leaders. You can start to think about that and then you, you, know, you, you start to socialize your ideas and get people bought in and get a financial support after the fact. Um, I talk about my story a lot in The Power of Owning Your Career and really finding myself uh, within the ERG space. And I, I believe I said before, Joe, that I started out as a member and a, you know, a committee lead, a co-chair, a chair, et cetera. But it, it really was a game-changing experience for my career. Yeah. Tell us more about your personal story. As you said, you started out as a member, uh, you moved your way up through there and you got more involved. 
you know, what are some of the things that you started to see? And I'm going to go back to that $80,000 number as well, because <laughs> I think there is a great point in there that I think we need to emphasize, because often people do stop short and say, well, this is my container. I can only do what I can do with this amount. And they don't realize that that container is based on what people expect from them. And they figure, well, I'm going to give you this much because I expect this much from you. But if you can make a case that you can do a lot more, well, then guess what? Then the purse strings can loosen a little bit. But let's, let's stay with your story for now. Then we'll go, we'll go to that, explore that a little more. So you've outlined your story in your book, The Power of Owning Your Career. Talk more about that. Yeah, you know, I had been doing the corporate thing for a while. I took a sabbatical to try to figure out what was going to be next for me in my career. And I found the ERG to be just a, a life draft. It was an opportunity to do something that was meaningful. And I, I felt, not that I didn't feel the work I was doing in the tech space uh, meaningful, it just was that once I started the ERG work, people were having conversations with me about what was going on with them in their department. Things were happening in the organization. Change was happening. And people were asking questions. Well, seems like this is really impacting the black community more. And so I was asking more questions. And I just felt um, more like a champion uh, for the community and doing good work. And I just fell in love with that space. I, I was really interested. It's almost like I said to myself, this is now my full-time position when it wasn't. And, and I would go into a quiet room and have conversations with people about what was happening and how I could help, how the ERG could help, were there promotional differences, et cetera. So it was just a different responsibility that made me feel like I needed to use my voice to create more change. And it made me feel good. It made me feel better about myself so much so that it became my passion. And I ended up really liking that work a lot more than my day job. And I think I was looking for something to hang my hat on and the ERG space became it. I mean, I, I went all in and uh, I got rewards from going all in, not just financial rewards or recognition, but satisfaction for me as a human being that I was doing something to drive cultural change to make people feel included and to bring about awareness in that African heritage community. So I, I loved it. So let's stop and reflect on just a few of the things that we got out of talking with Simone so far. I could and will enumerate a few specific things that you can do at the end of this program, but passion for her work and inclusion is what stands out the most for me right now. As Oprah Winfrey once said, passion is energy. Feel the power that comes from focusing on what excites you. That's what Simone discovered when she got involved with her ERG. Suddenly, she was no longer just doing a job. She was on a mission. That mission, in turn, generated an energy that permeated everything that she did at her company, her job, and at home. That energy moved her from being a passenger toward becoming a driver. So, if you think you're in that 80%, and you're looking for a trigger that will give you the energy to move from being a passenger to becoming a driver in your career, 
Look for efforts that truly excite you. And as Tony Robbins is fond of saying, live with passion. Coming up, we're going to continue our discussion with Simone and explore how this passion gave her a powerful sense of bravery, enabling her to break past barriers and obstacles, and eventually leading to her launching her own business. Simone, by the way, is one of our ERG Power Talk Learning Partners. So if you are a member of one of the companies sponsoring this podcast, you will have an opportunity to learn more from Simone during her live webinar session. If, however, you are not working for one of our sponsor companies and would like to reach out to Simone directly, here is a bit more information about her and how you can reach her. I'll rejoin you with Simone on the other side for the last half of our discussion. Simone Morris Enterprises LLC is a certified minority women-owned business specializing in inclusive leadership solutions and career growth education. The company has a mission to revolutionize the role of organizations in building inclusive muscles for all their employees. The company also provides education to accelerate and amplify the careers of women in the organization. For more information, visit www.simonemorrisenterprises.org. That's www.simonemorrisenterprises.org. www.simonemorrisenterprises.org. So, Simone, I remember you telling me about how your passion around the work that you were doing really built up your courage. In fact, it built it up so much and made you so much braver that sometimes you felt like you were going a little bit overboard. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, the first thing I thought about was I got this uh, bravery and, and I didn't know how to control it because I, I was testing things out. So the good part is that I was showcasing my skills as a leader. I was recognized for it inside the organization and outside the organization. And I was feeling pretty good. But along with that, I sort of felt that when I... Um, I spotted people, leaders in particular, who weren't walking the talk when it came to the DNI agenda. I felt like it was my duty to say something about it, and that wasn't always the best career choice. Let me say that. So you have to, you know, but no one was teaching me how to be an ERG leader. I was learning along the way. So, you know, when I would sit in a session where I just heard fluff, it would irritate me. And as I moved along in my career and my bravery up, I would sometimes call people on it, like, you know, and so I, I learned from that, that not, that's not necessarily the right thing to do in an open forum, but um, it, it was just, um, just a great experience for me to learn. And I think when you have experiences that doesn't, that don't go according to plan, those are the times that you remember the most. And those are the times that you really grow from the most. So I, I remember about flexing my leadership style and how I could do it better as a leader after the fact as well. Yeah, that seems to be the story for all of us, Simone. <laughs> it's always <laughs> after the fact. But uh, yeah. great point. So basically, you were passionate about this. It inspired you to be more brave. Maybe you went a little bit too far on that ledge and then you realize, but through practice and experience, you hone these communication skills and so forth that clearly serve you today. So 
When you start taking steps like that and you start taking charge of your career, and clearly what you talked about before where you had this limited budget supposedly offered to you a 5K and then you went out there and you said, I really need 80K to do this. And then you made the business case and clearly those skills of leadership and communication were now pretty well honed that you were able to... Uh, to pull that off. And I think that you zeroed in on something that I found fascinating. I'll share a little more about that after I hear you answer my next question, which is that asking piece. But tell us more about that. Was that a, an isolated event or was that something that you started doing repeatedly where you basically looked at these sort of constraints that were out there and said, um, yeah, those are good, but if I can really bring value, then I can get past that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, Joe. And, and um, I wanted to answer, yes, it was an isolated, but now that I think about it, it wasn't an isolated instance because for me, when I hear restrictions like um, there's not enough training budget for you to attend conferences, I began to have the mindset of, I need to get educated in this DNI space. I need more leadership skills. So I began to apply to be a speaker or a panelist or a moderator. And that was an additional budget for me to get educated in the DNI space. So what I said to myself was when I tried it the first time and it worked was I need to keep doing this. And all I need to do is get approved and then I need to convince my manager and the company give me the, the company to give me time to go. So that became an investment of uh, professional development and I was committed to growing as a leader. And there wasn't money for it, but I used that skill to even today, even when I came out of the corporate space, I used that mindset to find opportunities for education and not let the dollar hold me back. But back to the $80,000, when I was able to make that happen, I was dumbfounded. First of all, my sponsor said to me, write up the business case. And I was, you know, it kind of shifted the paradigm for me because I was thinking, why doesn't he write it up? He's, he knows what to do to get this <laughs> approval. Why doesn't he write it up? But then I quickly learned that there was a lot of things that I was writing behind the scenes and handed off to have conversations at a higher level. And so that gave me uh, confidence that I can write a convincing argument. I can write letters to convince managers to release employees to participate in events and hand it off to get socialized and approved. So those kind of things happened and it just blew my mind and clarified to me that I was really playing small. I need, I, I need to up my game. And so if I take that back to my career, I think that I had my hands off the steering wheel because I was playing in that, I was playing in that do as you're told, that little box of operating in that space when gosh, the possibilities would have been endless if I had this awareness before. That's great and so true. You know, as you're telling those stories, I'm recalling an aha moment of my own. I was telling my wife, Eileen, about some negotiations I was doing for more vacation time as well as more time working from home. I had a pretty big and demanding job at the time. So her prognosis was the company is not going to give you that much flexibility and time off. However, a few months later, I got everything I asked for. 
And when she looked at it, her diagnosis was that I got what I wanted because I asked for it. And she realized that she didn't ask for a lot of things that she wanted and that perhaps that's why she wasn't getting some of the things that she wanted. So it was an aha for her and it was certainly an aha for me because I was doing something totally unaware of what I was doing, but it was producing a result. And so I started doing it a little bit more intentionally after that. So as I listen to everything you're saying, to me, it kind of boils down to be an asker. Ask for what you want. And the worst that can happen is people will say no and you won't get what you wanted. But it's the same as if you didn't ask and you didn't get what you wanted anyway, right? I love that beautifully stated the way I think of it is exactly the same way and I tell people build your ass muscle so you have to work at it to build it up so I love what you said Joe that's great so let me ask you this did you ever uh, during all those times as you were going through that growing phase and you were coming from sort of sitting there and letting other people drive the car to taking the wheel yourself did you have moments of doubt about your career trajectory during that journey? Yeah, I definitely have doubts. I think that we all have doubts. It's what you do about those doubts. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier in the conversation that I took a sabbatical from work. I took a three-month unpaid sabbatical to kind of pump the brakes to, to say, wait a minute, I'm not happy. I, what do I need to do to be more fulfilled? And in that time, I found coaching. So I became a life coach during that time. And when you become a coach, you really do a lot of work on yourself. So I was showing up to the organization differently. When I came back into the space, uh, I had done a lot of work on myself and I was still pouring a lot of uh, professional development fuel into me, if you will. And so I would say uh, I had doubts as an ERG leader because I think I lacked the patience for things to happen in the time that I wanted them to happen. Things sometimes took a little longer than I wanted and it, it would frustrate me. So I had doubts, but the passion helped me to alleviate the doubts, to really just keep pushing forward with the agenda, knowing that I could create change. I I leaned on the passion a lot, because remember, you're not getting paid to be an ERG leader. So the payment for me was seeing change in the organization or conversations where someone said to me, thanks a lot for writing that note. Because I remember writing a note when there was a, um, a change in the organization with a lot of downsizing and questioning that it was hitting the black community. And I, I wrote a note based on the note that came from leadership and I sent it out to the ERG community. And I remember getting a note from um, the general counsel and saying that he wanted to talk to me. And then I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, this bravery is gone. <laughs> it's gone too far again. But he really sat down and explained to me um, why the organization was making the changes and a little more behind the scenes. And I was just, that was the sort of stuff that kept me going when I was doubting that change was going to happen. I was starting to see shifts, even if it was slow. So passion went out to answer your question. 
That's wonderful. So in baseball, the all-time highest batting average belongs to this fellow named Ty Cobb. And he hit the ball 36.6% of the time that he was at bat, which means that despite being the number one world-class player in the entire world, he actually missed the ball 63.4% of the time he was at bat. So the bottom line is really that even a world-class player, any sport, at any profession, at anything in life, is always going to have more misses than hits. So how about you? Did you ever have a moment when you just kind of fell flat on something you were doing and uh, as you were taking ownership of your career? And how did you deal with that failure that you couldn't recover from? Yeah, you know, it, I have to think about it in the, the context of an ERG because I, I have a career failure that, you know, um, is the answer to your question, but it's not in the the confines of the ERG space, but it's the most memorable career failure that I have had. And I think that your listeners can learn from this. So I had a project that I was asked to deliver and it was in Canada. It was not invented in Canada. It was invented uh, in the United States and rolled out to different markets. And I was charged with going in and um, leading the project. And I did not realize that the fact that something is not the idea of the market, um, that that could be troublesome for me as a project leader. And so I went plowing ahead thinking that the organization has made this decision of a wall-to-wall -wall solution I'm charged to implement. And I wasn't realizing um, what was happening with the people around me, even from an executive sponsorship standpoint. So I will say this, this can tie back to the ERG. You need to know your executive sponsor. So not because someone has been assigned as the executive sponsor, does it mean that they are on board with what you're trying to do? That was the case for me with this project. I had this sponsor and I made the assumption erroneously that because someone is at this senior level that they are going to understand organization decisions and and that the fact that they are a sponsor means that they are bought in and it turned out that that was not the case and that was my error because I was acting as if this person was on board and things just started to fall apart so much so where I had to shut down the project and this is where I got my uh, leadership moxie, if you will, because I got the screws into me really deeply from a career standpoint, and I did not know how to deal with it. And so in terms of your question around falling flat on your face, I felt like a failure, and I didn't know how to deal with being a failure because I had never had that big failure before, and things were just not working, and I felt like there was a lot of eyes on me, and I needed to make the right decision, which I felt was shut this project down. And I would say in the ERG space that you have the opportunity to do the same thing. Don't just go along with the flow. If you've been assigned with someone who is not on board, you get to challenge that. You may think that you don't, but you actually do. And it's, it, it is leadership to raise your hand and ask a question. First, to probe with the person, which, you know, I did some probing to find out that this person wasn't on board. Uh, so you can probe with your executive sponsor to say, you know, I'm, I'm, 
you know, I just want to make sure there's alignment on the agenda and what we're trying to do and the strategies. And I'm concerned based on X, Y, Z, if you're, if you're a hundred percent on board and have the conversation there, but then you can take it to a higher level. I ended up taking my situation to an executive steering committee level where I made the recommendation to shut the project down and they did. And that was a huge win for me, but it took a lot. And so I can extrapolate from that experience and take it to the ERG space to say, you could really feel like your hands are tied and allow things to go on that should not go on in terms of how you are treated, in terms of sponsorship, et cetera. And you need to let your voice be heard. That's a lesson. Excellent. And I love that you ended with the word lesson, because I'm a firm believer that if you can draw a lesson from a failure, then it has some value. Your lesson was not everybody who's a sponsor is really on board. And now that becomes something that you have on your radar, that you're aware of, that you weren't aware of before. Uh, that's a value that you got out of that experience. So I'm, I'm sure that's inspiring to other people that are listening who might feel stuck and who might think that uh, they're facing a failure as they're trying to push ahead and that you know, this is a loss. No, it's not really a loss. It's a classroom. It's teaching you something. And if you listen to it and you learn that lesson, as you did, you're better off for it. So we're rapidly running out of time. So I'm going to ask you two rapid questions. One, what book would you recommend to ERG, BRG leaders and members listening to the podcast who want to learn more about you, your journey and the advice that you offer? Awesome. Thank you, Joe. I would say my two books start with the power of owning your career because that is where I found myself to the driver's seat and I was intentional about interviewing 14 diverse leaders and sharing their story. In fact, Joe, your story is in the book, which is a great story. So I would say start with that book because it really talks about the need to be in the driver's seat, the need to take ownership of your career. Uh, so that you can feel happy about it down the line. And then the second book is really more hands-on practical advice, 52 Tips for Owning Your Career, where I break down my formula for owning your career, and then I give you actual tips for each of those areas in the formula, plus you get some bonus tips from others. So it's those are two great books to learn more about me, my ERG leadership journey, and uh, how to be in the driver's seat for your career. Excellent. And what other books by other authors have you personally read in the course of your journey and taking ownership of your career that you recommend for our listeners who want to take ownership of their career? Absolutely. There is a book, my very favorite book is called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by the late Susan Jeffers. There's a book called The E-Myth Revisited. And that is if you have you're actually an entrepreneur, if you think about it, as an ERG leader. So you're acting as an entrepreneur within the uh, organizational environment, if you will. So I think this is still a good book to read about how to soar as an entrepreneur. And it's called The E-Myth Invented by Michael Gerber. There's another book uh, about Dory Clark, which talks about... Um, being an entrepreneur and really learning your value. I think you need to learn your value as an ERG leader. She also has another book that's called Reinventing You. And so I, I think anything by Dory Clark, I highly recommend 
to keep your sanity as an ERG leader, I would say the book, The Four Agreements, which is one of my personal favorites and a delight to read at any time. Just, you know, about not taking things personal. When things don't go your way, if you fall flat on your face, etc., don't take it personal. And there are three other agreements in there. And then in terms of that presentation skills, there's a book, Rise and Sizzle by Bridget McGowan, and she just brings the goods about how to deliver from a presentation standpoint. And I think that's important as an ERG leader as well. Excellent selection. You know, I love that you included in your selection books for people working in large companies who want to take ownership of their careers, books written for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and even books on Toltec wisdom uh, and philosophy. This is one of Eileen's favorites, actually, The uh, Four Agreements, and she actually turned me on to it a few years ago. So I think that many people in corporate jobs miss that there is a tremendous amount of value in these non-big company volumes that can bring them and their careers more tools and things that they can use to enhance uh, what they're doing, as you call it, entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial efforts. I think that you're absolutely right that ERGs and BRGs are entrepreneurial efforts. In fact, I'll go one step further and say that just working in a job, you can look at your job as being an entrepreneurial effort and basically run yourself like a business within a business. Simone, thank you for joining us today. I think that in sharing your journey, you shared not only ideas, but you shared a lot of great inspiration. And I think that a lot of the ERG leaders, chairs, and members that listen to this podcast are going to really be inspired to follow in your footsteps. So it was a pleasure having you one more time on the program today. Thank you, Joe. So let's wrap this all up. Here are my key takeaways from this discussion with Simone. One, you must take the wheel in driving your career because you are the only one that owns it. Two, if you are currently a career passenger and you want to become a career driver, you need to tap into and ignite your passion. Three, joining an employee network that focuses on issues and opportunities that you truly care about is a first step in taking charge of your career destiny within your organization. Four, to drive your career forward, you have to do more than just show up at a few ERG, BRG meetings. You need to step up to the light by joining committees. Introduce yourself to people you want to meet. Five, you need to be an asker. Don't just work hard and expect to be given what you want. And don't be afraid to push boundaries. Let that passion drive you. Six, you need to feel the fear, acknowledge it, and do what you plan to do anyway. Seven, if and when you fail, turn your failure into a lesson. Learn from it, refine your approach, and then try again. And eight, while you are doing all of this, Keep reading. Keep learning. If you're, say, an accountant, don't limit your reading to financial books. Learn about operations in small and large businesses. Learn different thinking models from different philosophers. Broaden your knowledge. And whatever you do, remember to harness and live with passion. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. By the way, contact me if you're looking for an ERG Symposium keynote or a leader for your strategy workshop. 
new chair onboarding, and or ERG bootcamp. I can run these for you either in person or in a virtual setting. Also, for more great ideas and tips for your ERGs, get my book, Supercharge Your ERGs, 18 Tips to Power Up Your ERG Strategy on Amazon.com. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in.